Let's now uh, transition into our sermon as we continue to look at Galatians. Uh, our scripture can be found on the back of the page uh, of the bulletin, and we're looking at Galatians 5:26 through 6:6. This is Paul who's speaking to the church at Galatia. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourselves, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. The word of the Lord. Well, if you were to see me driving down the street, uh, you would see me in a black Honda Ridgeline truck that is chock full of a variety of flotsam and jetsam. I've got all this junk in the back of my truck, uh, hauling stuff. And uh, if you are a truck owner, you know that this is part and parcel of owning a truck. Uh, that if you have a truck, uh, you become everyone's best friend at some time or another. Because they need to move something, and guess what? You've got this bed and you can load stuff, so uh, until I can get to the dump, uh, I look kind of like a Jed Clampett from the Beverly Hillbillies. I'm dating myself driving around. Now, I did not always drive a truck. I used to drive a Toyota Camry, which is the perfect pastor car, by the way. Very sensible. It's a sensible car. But when it was time to hand that car uh, to uh, my son Daniel uh, be, uh, to drive to school, I had to choose a new vehicle. And really, there were two choices. The first was uh, I really wanted a motorcycle. It, it was, you know, or a motorcycle, I think, as the, as the doctors call it. Uh, it was a midlife crisis. Call it what you want. But I wanted an, an Indian motorcycle. Uh, an Indian scout motorcycle. I thought to myself, now that would be pretty cool showing up, you know, with my black robe, you know, and guitars slung over. That would be pretty cool. But let's be honest, an Indian uh, scout, particularly me, is not only dangerous, but it's impractical. There's really no space, if you will, just yourself, and maybe you can sort of put one person on the back. But with the ridgeline, there's oodles of room to bear. Now, why am I talking about vehicles? I'm talking about vehicles because I want to talk about if a Christian would be a vehicle, what kind of vehicle would he or she be? Would he or she be a motorcycle? Or would he or she be a truck? I think the answer is far more likely a truck. Because the mark of a Christian, according to this passage, is to be a burden bearer. To carry one another's burdens and we fulfill the law of Christ. Walking in the Spirit, which is what we have been talking about, far from being a private, mystical experience, is much more deeply embedded and enmeshed with how we treat one another. Look at how verse 25 flows into verse 6. 
uh, excuse me, into 25 into verse 26. I don't think we actually have that. Uh, it says, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Makes sense. We've just read off all of the fruit of the Spirit. But then it says, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another and envying one another. Is this the right passage? Let's you two bear one another's burdens. It's pretty close, isn't it? I'm really off my game here. Don't read the passage. Listen to me. Listen to me. If we live by the Spirit, let us not become conceited. I think we just missed uh, 2025 here. The passage that we're reading here is really about how not to treat one another and how to treat one another. Because the natural results of a Spirit-led life flow into our personal relationships with one another, particularly how we love one another in the congregation. If you want to sum up my sermon, it can really be summed up with this sentence, that we are our brothers and our sisters' keeper. And the clearest manifestation of a spirit-led life is how we love one another and carry each other's burdens. So that's what we're going to talk about. And I'm going to unpack that in three different ways. Number one, I'm going to talk about the challenge of bearing each other's burdens. The challenge of bearing each other's burdens. Then number two, I'm going to talk about the responsibility of bearing each other's burdens. The challenge, the responsibility, and finally I'm going to give an example of bearing each other's burdens. Because the clearest manifestation of the Spirit-led life is how we love one another and carry each other's burdens. But let's begin with point number one, the challenge of bearing each other's burdens. As I've said, we, last week we preached on the fruit of the Spirit and keeping in step with the Spirit, and then it transitions into let us not become conceited, provoking one another and envying one another. Notice what this verse is saying is that how we treat one another is a far greater indicator on what's going on inside of ourselves rather than the particular person that we are interacting with. You see, our conduct to other people, and we know this intuitively, is determined by the opinion that we have of ourselves. See, this passage says, let us not become conceited provoking one another and envying one another. In other words, if we become conceited, the natural thing that we are going to do is to provoke one another or envy one another. This word conceited in the Greek means someone who has an opinion of himself which is empty, vain, or false. It's a fantasy opinion that we cultivate of ourselves in which we are superior to other people. Are you familiar with it? I certainly am. Times when we become conceited, when we start to create this fantasy image of who we are. And notice what it does. It poisons relationships. If you are having root causes of problems with people in relationships, 
pretty much, if you want to get to the root, it has to deal with the issue of conceit. Because when you have a fantasy opinion of yourself, everybody else becomes a rival. And they become a rival in two different ways. Number one, if we think that we are superior to other people, we provoke them. Because we want to, the, the word provoke literally means to challenge someone to a contest. If we think we're superior to them, we want to challenge them because we want to demonstrate it. We want them to know in no uncertain terms that we, in fact, are superior to them. So what do we do? We provoke them. You do this. I do this. People have done it to you. We argue with them. We challenge them because we want them to feel and we want them to know that we are better than them. However, if we see other people and through our conceit, we recognize falsely or rightly that they are superior to us or we feel inferior to them, we don't provoke them, rather we envy them. We become jealous of their accomplishments. And rather than provoking them, inside of us there's this jealous, envying quality. Provoking or envying. Inferior or superior. This is what happens when we let conceit build in our hearts. It really is the way of the world, is it not? The world is constantly teaching us and challenging us to take stock of where we fit in the pecking order. You're superior to these people, but these people are superior to you. It's used in advertising all the time to provoke a response. But what Paul is trying to communicate is that when you are walking in the Spirit, when you are letting the Spirit of Christ lead you, your heart is not dominated by self-conceit. Rather, what the Holy Spirit does is he opens your eyes and he allows you to think correctly about yourself and others. Romans 12, 3 puts it this way. Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. The world would never say that, by the way. But rather, think of yourself in sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith that God has given you. See, when we're led by the Spirit... We ourself gets out of the way enough that we can actually see other people for who they are. And our attitude is not, I'm better than you and I'll prove it, or you're better than me and I'll resent it. But you are worthy in your own right, created in the image of God, having worth and value simply because you're God's. When we let the Spirit of Christ have full sway in our life, we begin to act like Jesus Christ. Remember in Philippians 2 where it talks about Jesus, though being in very nature God, not considering equality with God something to be grasped, but making himself a servant? So it says in that chapter, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Same words. But in humility, consider others better than yourselves. When we walk in the Spirit, we are able to move into verse 2 and have a willingness to bear one another's burdens 
and so fulfill the law of Christ. But verse 3 warns us that if we continue in that path, rather than walking in the Spirit, walking in conceit, for if anyone thinks that he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. See, the implication seems to be that if you think that you are something, that we will not bear one another's burdens because we think that we're above it, them, so to speak. We don't have time to deal with them, to sink to their level. Rather, we decline to bear their burdens because we think that we are something. Again, our conduct to others is governed by the opinion that we have of ourselves. And our opinion of ourselves is governed by who we are deciding will lead us. Either ourselves, our flesh, or the Spirit of God. The point I'm trying to make, my friends, is that religion is not simply a private affair. Whatever I choose to do in my heart, whoever I choose to follow, will have a profound effect on how we love one another. Our spouse, if we have one, our children, if we have them, our friends, the strangers around us, the people sitting in uh, the pew right next to us. If we choose to live by the flesh, self-absorption, self-focus will push other people out. But if we are led by the Spirit, if we allow Christ to have sway in our hearts, if we follow after his words as he leads us, we can help to carry each other's burdens. And we all have burdens, don't we? Who is to help us with our burdens? The key words here in 5.26 and 6.2 are the words one another. One another. We are our brother and sister's keeper. And the Spirit allows us to see that. Heard the story of two couples that were moving to a new town. And the first couple, as it was, they were pulling up on the outskirts of the town, saw a stranger and rolled down the window and they said, hey, we're moving to this new town. What, uh, what are the people like in this town? The stranger, who was a wise, older gentleman, said, but what were the people like in your old town? Well, we found them to be mean, mean-spirited, nasty, and really didn't like to deal with them at all. The man said, you will find that the people in this town are exactly like those people. Well, the next couple pulled up and said, hey, we're moving into this town. What are the people in this town like? Or what were the people like in your old town? We found them to be warm and friendly, sincere, interesting. The man said, ah, you will find the people in this town to be just like the people in the town that you left. See, how do you see others? What's going on inside of our hearts will determine how we live and relate to those outside of our hearts. Are people a nuisance or obligation or an opportunity? Are you a motorcycle or are you a truck? See, this is the challenge that we have. 
that we walk in the Spirit, that we must walk in the Spirit, not only for ourselves, but for others. For religion is not a private affair. And we have a crucial role to play. For we all have needs and burdens, do we not? Who will carry them for us, if not one another, our brother and our sister? But we can only see them. We can only carry one another's burdens if we are led by the Spirit. This moves me to my second point, that it's not only a challenge, but it's a responsibility and an opportunity to carry each other's burdens. Verse 2 says, Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Now notice that this passage assumes that we all have burdens, and that God does not mean for us to carry them alone. Why would he give the command to carry one another's burdens if we did not have burdens that we needed help carrying? Now, there may be objections from the congregation about this. Perhaps you might say to me, but I don't want to burden other people with my burdens. I don't want to bother other people with my burdens, and so I keep them to myself. That may be a good stoic response, but it's certainly not a Christian response. For we are meant to carry one another's burdens. And if my attitude is that I'm strong enough to be able to bear my burdens, may I suggest that that comes not from Christ, but rather from the world. You know, the two key words that you hear in the book of Galatians are son and brother. The reason that we have liberty in Christ and freedom in Christ is because we are sons and daughters of Christ. And the reason that we have a responsibility to care for one another is because we are called brothers and sisters. Now you may say to me, Carlos, aren't we supposed to take our burdens to the Lord? That really it's not to dump them on other people, but rather we're supposed to take them to the Lord. I mean, doesn't Psalm 55, 22 say, cast your burdens on the Lord and he will sustain you? It certainly does. And doesn't Matthew eleven twenty eight, in it Jesus say, Come to me all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. The answer to this is yes. However, there are, only, there are certain burdens that Jesus Christ alone can bear, that no one else can bear. Only Jesus can bear the burden of our sins on his great shoulders on the cross. Only he can take them away. Only he can bear the burden of the guilt that we have when our life does not measure up. No one else can pick up that burden and carry it. And to be sure, we can take all of our burdens to Christ. Our worries, our temptations, our doubts and our sorrows. But one of the ways that Christ cares for us is through human relationships. That one of the ways that Christ intends to carry our burdens is through the shoulders of our fellow brothers and sisters. In fact, there's even an example of this in the scriptures. This is 2 Corinthians 7.5. 
And Paul is speaking of when he went into Macedonia to share the gospel. And he said, For even when we came into Macedonia, our bodies had no rest, but we were afflicted at every turn, fighting without and fear within. But God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us by the coming of Titus. And not only by his coming, but also by the comfort with which he was comforted by you, the Corinthian church, as he told us of your longing, your mourning, your zeal for me, so that I rejoiced still more. Now we're talking about Paul, the great apostle, who may have known Jesus Christ better than anyone knew Jesus Christ. And yet do we have a picture of Paul, the suffering, stoic apostle, bearing upon himself alone all of the weight of the world as he ministered the gospel. No, he's, he's saying that when we went into this region, we were afflicted every, ter- every turn from without, fighting from without, and fear from within. See, we like to put on a good face, but not Paul. It's not Christian. And how did God comfort Paul? By the coming of Titus to encourage him, to help lift up his burdens, to let him know that he was not alone. See, each one of us is a means of grace for those around us, for our brother and our sister, for that is who brothers and sisters uh, in Jesus Christ are. If we are Christians, we're all spiritually related to one another. And each one of us has a ministry of burden-bearing. Notice it says to carry each other's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. What what does that mean, so fulfill the law of Christ? I think it's a twofold meaning. The first is I think it's a sideswipe at the Judaizers. Remember these people who have come in and said you need to obey the law and you need to, yeah, Jesus is, you know, he's almost enough, but you need to do all these other things. And they're putting more and more burdens on the church at Galatia. And what Paul is saying is that what fulfilling the law of Christ really is about is lifting the burdens off of other people, not putting more burdens on. So I think that's partially it. But I also look at verse 14, which I preached on last week. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Notice that the words, love our neighbors, bear their burdens, and fulfill the law, are used interchangeably. See, Jesus gave a new command, didn't he? To love one another as I have loved you. This isn't the Mosaic law. This isn't about being justified with God. It's about how we are to live and love because we are justified. In other words, what does God really want us to do? How does he really want us to live out this life that he has given us in Jesus Christ? Loving our neighbors, bearing their burdens, and fulfilling the law are used interchangeably. So what are we to do with this last part of the passage, Galatians 6.4? But let each one test his own work, 
and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. Wait a second, I thought other people were supposed to bear our load. No, the, the word, the Greek word here is different than burdens. His own load would, would be, uh, a good Greek equivalent would be to bear his own backpack. We can each bear, there's a load that we have to bear, that only we can bear. And what is that uh, burden that we have to bear? I think it's our responsibility to walk in the Spirit, to live out this Christian life. No one else can do it for us. We can encourage one another. We can challenge one another. But we have a life to live, a, a backpack of our own, if we will. And that challenge is to live out and to walk in the Spirit. And we should test each of our own work. Then our reason to boast will be in ourselves uh, alone and not in our neighbor. In other words, we can put our head on our pillow at night and we can say, I must love Jesus Christ. Look at how I chose to live today. Our role is to be a burden bearer. I don't know if you ever played this game um, when you would uh, get on railroad tracks. There was, a, there was some railroad tracks uh, near uh, where I lived, and I remembered that I would go with a friend and we'd get on the railroad tracks and, and uh, you know, we would wait for the train to come and see who would stay on the long... No, that was not what we did. We didn't do that. I'm just kidding. When there was no train, we would each get on one of the rails and we would see who would walk the longest and be able to balance the longest before they would fall off. You know, and you can sometimes walk far, sometimes, but sooner or later, you'll begin to lose your balance and one would fall off and then the other one would fall off. I don't think we ever realized that if that person got on that rail and I got on my rail and we simply put our hand across to each other's shoulders, that we could walk forever, that we would never fall off. See, my friends, we have a responsibility and an opportunity to bear one another's burdens. God allows us to experience burdens far greater than we can bear alone because we're not meant to carry more than we should. And so I want to challenge you and encourage you to unload some of them. It takes courage to turn to one another and to say, I'm struggling. Can you pray for me? Do you have time to come and visit with me? For I'm sad, or I'm lonely, or I'm conflicted. Now, I'm not saying that we do that with everyone, that we announce it to the world. Jesus had his three, he had his twelve, and he had his seventy. But are you willing, with someone in this congregation, to be able to be open and honest and to say, I have burdens? And for all of you, is there space in your backpack for other people? Do I see myself as not just a motorcycle, but a truck?
There's some, there's some things that I need to unload. There's some things that I need to start doing in my life. I need to start walking after the Spirit so that I can develop spiritual eyes for one another. So I can see them for who they really are. God does give us spiritual eyes to see the needs of other people. Wasn't that Jesus' life? Jesus didn't see crowds. He saw people. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, for they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. This is why coming to church is so important. It's why being a part of the body in a community group or in Yeti in the youth group is so important. To let other people into your life and to get close enough to see them. I finish with an example of bearing each other's burdens. Galatians 6. If First, though, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you be tempted. So in this passage, there's an actual example of how do we put this into practice? Notice it says that first, if anyone is caught in any transgression, this word caught means overtaken. It's the same word used for the woman who is caught in adultery in John 8. That though they are a believer, sin has overtaken them, so to speak. It says that if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him. The word katartizo is the word. It means to put in order or to restore to its former condition. It's actually a medical term. It refers to setting a fracture or a dislocation, putting it back to its original condition. What this passage is saying is that if you see someone who's caught, overtaken in a transgression, the result of what you are supposed to do is not to stand by and to do nothing, to say that it's none of my business, they don't want me to meddle, nor to despise or to condemn or to report him to the minister or to the elders or to gossip about him or her, but rather to restore our fallen brother and sister. And how do we do that? In a spirit of gentleness, coming alongside them, recognizing that we are fallen people as well. Pity the man who falls, the scripture says, and has no one to help him up. But we must watch ourselves. Paul adds that we are to be watchful, lest we are also tempted. And this suggests that gentleness is born of a sense of our own weakness and proneness to sin. Notice it says, you who are spiritual should restore them. See, all Christians are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. But spiritual Christians are led by the Spirit and walk by the Spirit so that the fruit of the Spirit appears in their lives. This is a dangerous business we have, coming alongside one another. When people are hurting is when they often lash out. 
But when we are walking in the Spirit, when we see them, we're able to care for them, to gently come alongside, to lift up that which is broken or hurting, and to help reset it. So, my friends, I wanted to highlight, as Paul did, that walking in the Spirit is not some magical, mystical, spiritual, private experience. But it manifests itself in how we see one another and care for one another. We have a challenge as we walk out this door. We must follow the Spirit, if not simply for ourselves, because the burdens of our brother and sister depend on it. That if you're not willing to carry their burden, who will? And in the same way, if someone's not willing to carry my burden, it may be too heavy for me, and I'll stumble and fall. It's a challenge, and it's a responsibility and opportunity. This is what it's meant to walk in the Spirit. And the surest mark that you are walking in the Spirit is the love and care and concern that you manifest for one another. By God's grace, let us do that and be that in the body. Let's pray. Oh God, the reality is that you set the lonely in families and that the burdens that we have when we're honest are too heavy for us to bear alone and many of us are sagging under the weight of them. Lord, help us to be led by your Spirit so that we may be set aright with ourselves, that our flesh and our self might get out of the way enough that we could truly see our brother and our sister and come alongside with them and say, there's room in my backpack for what you're dealing with. Let's get on those railroad tracks together and bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. We pray this in his name. Amen.